0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 109. Uh, Sorry, it has been a few weeks here since I recorded. I had a lot of personal stuff to take care of, but I am back and ready to talk about everything that has been happening really in the last month in the Cleveland sports world. So we had the entirety of the Cavs Knicks series, which did not go the way things were planned. Um, and then we also just had the NFL draft, and uh, Brown's made some picks, which is exciting. Uh, obviously not any first or second round picks, but picks nonetheless. Uh, so we have that to discuss, which, um, you know, has to carry us really until the schedule release comes in about two weeks from now. Uh, and then we can dig into that. But this is it's the time of year where you're just itching for any NFL news, like every little thing that you can talk about. Uh, becomes uh, really, really exciting. And uh, I'll I'll take what we can get, even if it's third through sixth rounders in the NFL draft. Um, The one other thing I did want to touch on before getting into the Cleveland-related things is Lamar Jackson finally signed a deal. uh, And it was with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I'm going to be honest, like a few weeks ago, I really did not think that was going to be in the cards, and that was a strong possibility. It just did not seem... Uh, like the two were going to be able to come to an agreement. Lamar had posted kind of a goodbye letter to Baltimore thanking, you know, the fans for everything, Uh, which obviously those don't mean everything. But still, it was like, okay, this feels like, you know, Baltimore is not going to give him what he wants and they're going to have to to move on. Um, But that did not happen. They signed him to the biggest deal in nfl history obviously not guaranteed money that is still uh deshaun watson but um you know he signed i think it was five million more guaranteed than jalen hurts deal so uh taking a step up with with each contract that comes in um i'm interested to see what happens with herbert and burrow obviously those two are probably next up on the list It's weird because I think Herbert definitely deserves less money than Lamar and Jalen, just based on the amount of success that they've had in the postseason, really. And um, I think he's going to get more than them because that's just how the cookie crumbles with these contracts. If you are the next one up, you are usually going to beat it and get more money than the guy who came before you. Uh, And then whenever Joe Burrow makes his deal, I'm so interested to see what happens there because we all know Cincinnati, a little bit cheap with their money, um, and I don't think he should have to sign a team-friendly deal um, just because he wants to be a good guy. Like he, he has had a ton of success in the NFL, and um, honestly, in my opinion, deserves to be. Uh, the highest paid quarterback in terms of, you know, the contracts coming up. Obviously, if, you know, all things were equal, Patrick Mahomes should probably be the the highest paid quarterback. Um, but he's, you know, locked down in his deal for a long time. Uh, so with this group that is signing deals right now, Joe Burrow should definitely be number one. So interested to see how that all plays out with Lamar finally signing somewhere. Um the other thing that has happened I think since last time I recorded which I had speculated last time because of the conversations with Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show it seemed like it was pretty clear he was going to be a jet it is official um he is a part of the New York Jets now which is pretty wild. It's been crazy seeing the clips of him walking into the facility. Um, he was at, I think, a hockey game in New York the other day, a crowd going wild. Um, I just never pictured Aaron Rodgers in New York, honestly, so it's it's pretty weird to see. Um, but uh, glad for both sides the deal got done because it was getting annoying just waiting and all the speculation about what was going to happen. Um, I, I don't really think that this... Moves the needle so incredibly far for the Jets to the point that I would consider them to be a contender. They're still in a great division with the Buffalo Bills um, who have consistently, you know, been winning the division here. So it is going to be tough for them. Um, but I am very interested to see what is going to happen there. So I love I love when the quarterback storylines change and they move around because you really don't know how it's going to go. Like everyone went into last season thinking Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos were going to be a phenomenal team and we're going to be honestly Super Bowl contenders. Like a lot of people had them winning that division, which is an incredibly hard division. Uh, so I uh, and that obviously didn't work out. So it's fun to speculate, but then it's fun to actually see. Does this work and does this come together uh, in the way that everyone expected it to? So that's why you play the games. You know, the Browns are notorious for being good on paper, but uh, the games actually start. It doesn't really follow that same (laughs) that same success level. Um, But okay, so let's get into Cavs first before we get into the Browns draft. So Cavs fell to the Knicks in five games, which is not what I thought was going to happen in that series. Like if the Knicks were going to win, I originally thought it would have had to go seven or at the minimums or at the, yeah, at the minimum six. Like I just, I really did not think that five games with the Knicks winning was in the cards. I thought if it was going five, that we would be winning and pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Cleveland Cavaliers in that series. Uh, Everything that we excelled at during the regular season uh, and really prided them that that team really prided themselves on um you know having their two bigs be extremely dominant they prided themselves on having donovan mitchell be able to take over games um and those things did not happen uh donovan really did not live up to expectations in that series especially when it mattered he just wasn't making shots and it's Pretty simple like that that's there's not some complicated way that he wasn't playing well, he just was not hitting his shots when he needed to um, and that made it really hard because you needed to be able to lean on your all-star and rely on him in those moments. like he was someone who was involved in the MVP conversations early on in the season. Um, that is a guy you need to be able to rely on in the playoffs to get you a bucket when you need a bucket um and then like I mentioned with the two bigs I thought I I I don't want to put Mobley and Jared Allen in the same category in this because I do think that Evan Mobley did a really good job on defense he pretty much shut down Julius Randall for the entirety of the series um and I thought he was he was pretty strong there offensively Mobley definitely struggled um and Jared Allen man he was the only word I can use was just soft. And look, I think Jared Allen seems like a great human being, a really nice guy. I've enjoyed, you know, watching him in his interviews over the years in Cleveland, and he seems like a really stand-up guy, but this was not it. This was not even close to what we needed from him in the series. Um, he even mentioned uh, in, a, in a quote after the series ended that, you know, he felt like the lights were too bright Uh, And that is not something you want to hear from a guy who was an all-star last year um, and was supposed to be a a staple, a core member of the team in this playoff run. uh, And he just didn't have it. He was soft on defense, getting pushed around consistently by Mitchell Robinson, which um, was not something I expected going into it. And then offensively, every time he went up with the ball, same with Mobley, very weak, just with no power, no assertiveness, um, almost like they're just trying to get the call and not really trying to actually make the basket, which you just can't do in the playoffs. You got to be trying to get a bucket there. Um, And it was really frustrating to watch. Um, Darius Garland was kind of up and down in the series. He had um, you know, his really good game in Game 2, where he was phenomenal hitting everything, and he had moments where I felt like he could kind of take over games, um, but still, it, w- it definitely wasn't enough from him either. Um, shockingly, Karis LeVert was the guy who I feel like really showed up <laughs> in the series, which, man, it's funny just how everything works out, because... He was the one that everyone, including myself at times, was putting on the trading block um, leading up to the trade deadline, and it felt like he was the only one who could consistently throughout the course of the series make baskets. Um, So that was definitely uh, pretty shocking to see, and I feel like he earned some respect from a lot of people for what he did in that series, and I think it does show uh, that experience really matters in this league, especially come playoff time, uh, what it meant to have someone like Karis Levert that you could put out there and have some confidence in him. Um, the other conversation that has come out from the series is about J.B. Bickerstaff and the job he did coaching. And look, you guys know if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I've, I've defended him a lot because I, I always think that people put too much on coaching sometimes when a lot of times it's just players not executing. And I still feel that in this situation that the players deserve way more criticism than JB does because it's pretty impossible to put together rotations that work when guys just aren't making baskets and aren't playing the type of basketball they're supposed to play. Like, who was he supposed to put out there at a certain point who was going to perform well? I think um, it gets hard in those those situations to judge coaching as much when you can't rely on, like, three of your four top players to do anything. Um, so... I don't want to completely blame JB, but there were some questionable moments um, in some of his rotations. Game one was very strange. We had seven straight minutes of Dean Wade, who was pretty awful. Um, Luckily, JB did learn from that and was not putting him in the game after seeing what he did there. Um, at, At moments, honestly, too much Ricky Rubio time. Ricky has not been the same player this year as he was last season since his injury, which is very understandable. But it would have been, you know, nice for J.B. to recognize that and maybe not have him out there as much. Um, and I would have liked to see more Lamar Stevens minutes. And I know I have been pounding the table for him all season, but God, it really felt like he could have been useful more often in this series, just from an aggression and um, bringing a little bit of fire to the game standpoint. Like that is what Lamar Stevens does well. His teammates have talked about it on how he really gets people hyped up um, and he is a vocal leader on the court and it felt like sometimes when everyone was crumbling and kind of um, going into their own shell, it felt like someone like Lamar would have been really useful to throw out there and just get some juice and get some excitement going. And I was surprised that JB didn't use that more, especially with the way that Jared Allen was playing. It felt like, you know, I know... Lamar Stevens is not a true big, but if we wanted to go a smaller lineup, you could have thrown Lamar out there um, in place of Jared Allen and just kind of see what happens, see if it can light a little fire under them. Um, And that didn't really happen. So um, there were definitely questionable things about the lineup um, that I didn't like, but I don't want to put everything that happened on JB. I also, I just don't know what another coach could have done differently in this situation. I I feel like, um, most coaches would have been kind of doomed uh, with the way those guys were were playing. So um I think JB's probably going to stick around um and they are not going to move on from him. I know Kobe Altman obviously said that in his interviews after the series was over. I don't I don't always buy into like what um, GMs or owners or anyone of you know, a high level like that is saying in those interviews after a season ends, because it usually is a lot of fluff, um, a lot of, you know, coach speak where they're just kind of trying to put a bow on things. Um, So, you know, we've we've heard many, you know, presidents, GMs, whoever say things. And then two days later, make a completely different decision um, than what they said publicly. So not going to read into anything too much, but I do think JB is probably going to be safe, at least for another year. Um, but yeah, pressure is on now because man, that team should have been able to win a playoff series, especially looking at what's happening in the east and how wide open it really is like the bucks fell to the heat, which was insanity. um you know, Boston and 76ers are facing off now. so it's it was gonna be you know probably us against the heat then if we were able to win that and it's it's unfortunate, you know, we didn't didn't get a chance to do it so. Um, you know, there, as we say in Cleveland, there's always next year, but I think some real changes are going to be made. Um, and they should be made. I, you know, I just don't know if the, the two seven footers thing is going to work anymore. If that's what we're getting out of Jared Allen, I think, you know, they're more apt to move forward with Evan Mobley as the the future of the franchise in that sense um, and maybe can get a shooting wing for Jared Allen in some some type of trade package. I still think Jared Allen is a valuable player and could bring value to another team um, and they would want him. so interested to see if they do decide to make any moves like that. Um, again, Kobe shut it down in his his press conference, but I don't know, we'll see if the right if the right trade is proposed, you never know um, what happens there. Okay, so let's get into NFL draft talk now. So the NFL draft finally happened. Very exciting. Um, It was, you know, it's less exciting after the Deshaun Watson trade last year because obviously the Browns do not have first-round picks, um, which really just makes everything a little anticlimactic. Um, But we did have two third-round picks, two fourth-round picks, two fifth-round picks, and a sixth-round pick. And look... I. I was listening to a podcast actually earlier today and they were talking about how they didn't like the browns draft that much because they don't have any didn't draft any players that they felt like could make an impact day one you know that is hard to find when you're not taking a first or a second rounder um, those are where the guaranteed day one impacts are going to happen for the most part um, when you go to you know day two, day three in the draft, deeper in those rounds, it gets harder to find guys that are surefire going to make an impact player. Um, So I feel like the criticism is a little bit unfair, just considering that their first pick was at 74. Um, I think the way the Browns clearly approached drafting this year was best player available looking for value rather than Necessarily filling positions of need, which I think makes sense. When you look at the roster, there's not a ton of positions that are just like glaring holes where you're like, we need more right now. They did fix up some of the defensive line through free agency. Um, so a lot of those holes are fixed. Um, and then they added some depth to it throughout the draft. Um, some depth for wide receiver, offensive line, quarterback, which I'll get into that um corner and center so all positions that aren't like oh my god we need a player to come out and perform right now but it's still um you know hoping to build for maybe two three years down the road you can develop a guy and have him you know become a bigger impact player uh, at some point so I do like a lot of what they did in that sense if that was their mindset going into it I think some of the picks they made were pretty smart um most of them I was confused by at first until I think I realized what their strategy was going into it. um, Because I just, I thought maybe they would try like running back or linebacker or safety positions that you feel like maybe have a more um, immediate need, but uh, they can address those positions in other ways. And they may do that at some point. So um, not too concerned because I just don't feel like there was anything that we were like, oh, we have to get this during the draft. And if we don't, our team is going to fail. That's just not not how it works for this team right now. OK, so let's go through some of the picks. Um, our first pick at pick 74, we drafted wide receiver Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. Um, you know, the Tennessee light bulb goes off there and you just wonder if Jimmy Haslam had a little piece of that. Uh, I was pretty shocked that they took this receiver specifically because he's 23 years old. And we know how Andrew Barry usually trends much younger in the draft um, just because he likes to get um, value out of those players. You know, if you have them on a you know five year or four year deal. And um, you know they're a lot younger, then you're able to re-sign them at a younger age, or there's just a lot more value in there when you get guys in the league who are much younger rather than drafting older. But um, in terms of the receivers that were available in this draft, he was one of the bigger receivers. like Josh Downs, I know is um, still on the board at that point, and he's like five foot nine, really small. Um, so I think it was clear that they wanted a specific type of receiver, and that's probably why they took Cedric Tillman, um, someone who makes great contested catches, good catches in tight traffic, um, good hands in general, so I think that was the the type of guy they were looking for, and they got it, um, so we will see if he's able to make an impact. The wide receiver room has quite a few guys in it now after some of the moves they've made. Um, So we will see. I don't know if they're intending to develop him to maybe replace either Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples-Jones down the line. We'll have to see what happens with their contracts. Um, I know Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be a free agent in 2024. Amari Cooper's contract is up in 2025. So I think just a little planning for the future is what is happening here. Um, Then at pick 98... They took uh, Siaki Ika, a defensive tackle from Baylor. Big dude, massive dude. Um, tested really poorly, and that was kind of the the knock to him um, because his measurables in terms of like size and uh, honestly size um, are you know the best of the best. That's what you're looking for in a defensive tackle, but uh, in terms of his testing at the combine, not so great. Um, I would. Was definitely surprised by this one because I felt like there were some other better players still on the board, but um, I do like that he is good on run defense, which is something that we certainly need more of on this team uh, after watching the abysmal performances by our run defense last season. Uh, So I do like it in that sense. uh, If we can get some use out of him in that way, we obviously signed Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency. So just some extra help at defensive tackle that is much needed. Um, then to the fourth round at pick 111 we took Ohio State offensive tackle go Bucks DeWan Jones. Um, I think it's good to have some offensive tackle depth right now because there's some questions about um, Jedrick Wills. They have not picked up his fifth year option as of the moment that I'm recording this. I you know I don't know by the time you're listening if they will have picked it up yet, but um, they have not picked it up at this point in time. So I'm not sure what their plans are. For him in the future, obviously you have Conklin as well, who has battled some injuries over the years. So this is some good injury insurance as well. Um, I think depth there is always helpful, uh, especially in terms of you know creating those open running lanes for Nick Chubb, um, also just protecting your quarterback as well. Uh, always, always important things to have. Um, then at 126, we took an edge from Missouri, Isaiah McGuire. A lot of people were really excited about this pick, um, felt like he was going to be a, someone who could have a really good impact on this team. Um, and you always love some edge depth as well. Obviously, we moved on from Clowney and we got um, Obania Okoronkwo in free agency. Edge depth, always good. Good to build there. If you can surround, you know, Miles Garrett with some other good guys, Miles Garrett's always going to take. Off the pressure from you know other other people and hopefully they can find ways to shine. So um, I liked that in terms of positional pick there. Then it gets interesting here, fifth round pick 140. This is where we took a quarterback, UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, I was shocked when I saw that come across that we took a quarterback Um, just because I don't feel like obviously that's something we need at the moment, considering the money we just invested uh, in Deshaun Watson Um, and they have Kellen Mond and they have Josh Dobbs both on the roster as well. Um, It seems like maybe they're just not confident in those guys as a as a future backup and kind of just wanted to develop a rookie on a rookie deal to be a backup to Deshaun Watson. Um, who plays, you know, maybe a similar style towards him. Um, You know, Dorian Thompson Robinson had a very successful college career at UCLA. He broke a lot of records there. He was, I think, you know, the leader in offense there because he played five seasons there. But um, I think, you know, it is smart to build um, up a backup quarterback on a rookie deal. But I just don't know if I would have invested, you know, pick 140 in doing that. I just don't think that was necessary at this point in time. But you know it's you're taking swings at any point in time when you are getting later in the draft like everything is is a guess at that point so if they felt confident in it who am i to say um then pick 142 two picks later uh northwestern corner cameron mitchell uh if that rings a bell we have another corner from northwestern on our roster greg newsom greg was very excited um over on twitter when he saw that pick come through uh which i'm sure was fun for him but Um, I did like this pick because I think we needed a true nickel, a true slot corner on this team, and Cameron Mitchell seems like a guy who is going to be able to be that. Clearly, Greg did not like playing in the slot, has made that very well known to the public, Um, so I think this is a, a good option, and we have enough guys on the outside. We've got... Other than Greg, we have Denzel Ward, um, and we have Emerson, who was an awesome player for us last year, taken in the third round. Uh, so I think having uh, a true slot here is is definitely going to be beneficial, and was a was a good pick to make. And then our last pick, another Buckeye at pick 190, a center, um, Luke Whipler from Ohio State. Uh, always love taking Buckeyes; felt good we had two. It just makes me happy to see. Uh, when we when we have those guys uh, on our on our roster, because it makes me sad when like I think for a while we were taking a ton of LSU players, and I'm like, no, I want to take Buckeyes. Um, so that felt that felt good. Um, I think this is a very telling pick in terms of they have a couple centers on the roster right now: Nick Harris, um, Dawson Deaton, who they who was injured all of last season. They drafted in like the seventh round last year, so I think he's kind of more of a non-factor I'm not really considering him in the conversation and then Ethan Posich who they signed to a three-year deal in the offseason after you know he did really well last year uh, and really stepped up to the plate when Nick Harris went down in the preseason Um, so Nick Harris is going to be a free agent I believe after this coming season I want to say I could be wrong on that one but Um, I think that's important to note because they may be looking to move on from him and develop Whipler to take over once they decide to move on from Ethan Posich. We will see, but it does seem like drafting a center when you don't really need one is a little bit telling in that way. Uh, So that is all the picks we made. We did have one more in the seventh round that we ended up trading away to the Ravens for a sixth rounder next year, which uh, steal like, okay, sixth rounder, for a seventh rounder, feels like we won that one. <laughs> it's the little wins, you know. Like I said, we win the offseason. We win on paper a lot of times. I'm going to take what we can get because it's hard out here being a Bronze fan sometimes. Um, but we did trade away that last pick. So, um, you know, it was overall, I think, successful. Nothing exciting or flashy because, look, like I said, we didn't have these massive holes to fill. We didn't have a first rounder or a second rounder. Uh, so it's not going to be super flashy and exciting. Uh, but nonetheless, you get better. You hope you hit on a couple guys. Honestly, even hitting on one in like rounds four through seven is like a big deal. So I'm pretty happy in general uh, with a lot of the moves they made. But um, now we have, like I said, scheduled release will come up in, I think they said... May 11th might be the date for it, so I'm counting down the days so I can start planning out my fall schedule, what games I'm going to away, you know, what home games we have on what dates. I'm really just, it's such an exciting day, and no other sport feels that exciting with the schedule release, but NFL does it right. They do it right. It gets gets hyped up all the time, so um, looking forward to it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and being patient while I wasn't able to. To record the last few weeks, but happy to be back. Um, unfortunately, couldn't talk about a good Cavs series, so that's a massive bummer. But, um, you know, onward and upward, and we've got Guardians going on right now, which also that's you know not super positive because they haven't been, uh, very great yet. But look, it's early baseball, long season. I'm not gonna get too worked up about it yet. Uh, and then we've got, you know, the Browns to look forward to as as we get towards OTAs and everything coming up. The Browns are in the Hall of Fame game, so uh, we'll have that to look forward to over the summer. Uh, and, you know, we just keep going. Uh, So thanks for listening again. If you could leave a review or rating, that would be great. Share with a friend. uh, If they love talking and listening to things about Cleveland sports, you should probably share with them. I would very much appreciate it. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Go Cavs, go Guardians, go Browns, and have a good one.